Hello, and welcome to Her Mighty Surrender. This is Therese Picola. Today, I thought would be a good time for us um, to discuss abortion since we just, um, National Sanctity of Life Day just passed, and we are, um, this week would be the week that the March for Life would happen and other events throughout the country. So I just wanted to let people know that if this topic is too sensitive to you, um, I will be very, um, I guess, blunt and and honest. So um, if this is something that may trigger you, I would just say that you skip over this episode. But I think there's a lot of positive things to um, discuss as well. So with that being said, let's go ahead and pray because I think this is going to be very important for this episode today in particular. So let us begin. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, United with your mystical body, the church, and in union with all the choirs of angels in heaven, we gather to praise, adore, and glorify you. Before time, you existed co-eternal with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Through you, all things were created, the seraphim, cherubim, thrones, dominions, virtues, powers, principalities, archangels, and angels. The cosmos and all it contains was created by the Father through you in the Holy Spirit. Nothing would exist without you, and nothing remains in being without you. You alone have dominion over every created thing. To you then, Lord and Master, we raise our voices in prayer and supplication. Watch over us and keep us safe in your care. By the power over all, by your power over all things, render deaf, dumb, blind, utterly impotent any and all evil spirits who would seek to harm us. By the power of your most precious blood, purify and sanctify us, this podcast, and all who hear it. Grant that the words, thoughts, ideas, and movements of our hearts shared in this program may glorify you, the one true God, and help us grow in virtue and holiness. Heavenly Father, your boundless, relentless love for us is made manifest in the incarnation of Jesus, your Son. Through, <clears throat> excuse me, through him you have expiated our sins and claimed us as your own. Please hear and grant our prayers offered to you through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so um, I will be upfront and say that this is never an easy topic for me. Um, it's still something very sensitive and, and, and raw. Um, I'm very blessed to, to have um, the confidence in um, Jesus in his mercy. But of course, this is um, difficult to, to express um, some of the things that I have done and gone through um, to get to the other side. Um, but there's a couple things I just wanted to say up front in, in relation to abortion. First of all, the Catechism of the Catholic Church states, and I quote, Since the first century, the Church has affirmed the moral evil of every procured abortion. This teaching has not changed and remains unchangeable. Direct abortion, that is to say, abortion willed as an end or a means, is gravely contrary to the moral law, end quote. So right there we see, obviously, the church teaches us that abortion is never, never accepted, never good, always evil. But abortion is intrinsically evil. So this means that the act is 
always bad. It's always sinful, no matter what. So there's no gray area when it comes to this, and it's not negotiable. And those who say that this is just a Catholic issue are not fully correct because really abortion is a human's right, a human rights issue. So all those arguments we hear um, really hold no weight if we kind of break it down and look at it for what it is. Mother um, St. Teresa of Calcutta um, has um, a couple of great quotes, and one of them is, there are two victims in every abortion, a dead baby and a dead conscience. She also says, if we can accept that a mother can kill even her own child, how can we tell other people not to kill one another? I mean, those are really, really, um, really piercing words, but so true. So I'm just going to, um, I'm going to give kind of my testimony, but with a little bit more um, detail, just has how, how it relates to um, through what I went through with my um, exorcisms. So, um, and some of this is going to sound familiar, but we'll go a little bit deeper into, into some of these things. So I should, as I've said in the past, um, episodes, um, I, I was sexually active. This really came about at a young age after, um, I had experienced abuse and rape. Um, there was kind of that stripping of, of dignity and sexuality, confusion of sexuality, and um, I just was sexually active um, from that point forward. So I guess in some ways it, it wasn't a surprise when I became pregnant at 17 because there was nothing I was doing to stop pregnancy from occurring. But naively, I think I just thought that I was, that wasn't going to happen to me. Um, and I didn't tell my parents. Um, so there was no support. There was just this feeling of... Um, I have to do something about this and I have to take care of this myself because I had this self-reliance um, and because no one else was going to fix it for me. But um, the boy I was dating at the time, he did tell his parents. So his parents actually helped pay for it. Um, we never had a conversation about it. Um, there was It was kind of just swept under the rug. Um, in fact, this boy that I was dating, we never even talked about it afterwards. So again, there was like this secretive kind of, um, you know, this is fine, but we're just not going to talk about it type of mentality, which is so contrary to what it should be. This is such a, a heavy decision to make. Um, even, even if I was to say I was a pro-choice person, like, wouldn't I want to talk this out with somebody? It's, a, it's supposed to be a big decision about my life, but no, none of that happened. So, um, so the day that I was scheduled to go to have the procedure done, um, it was a school day, um, so I left the house like as I was going, as if I was going to school. But instead, I changed in, in the car, and um, my boyfriend dropped me off at the Planned Parenthood. So I went in, and um, pretty quickly they, you know, I just signed and paid and took care of some things, finished paying, um, and they took me back to the room. And, um, there's, there's little bits and pieces and, and I kind of want to just set the stage because I want you to have an idea of just how cold this is, how it's very, um, there is no comfort or warmth or any, anything consoling about going in to have this done. 
you go into this room. It's very medicinal looking. Um, I remember it actually being stark white fluorescent lights when I was laying there. Um, I do not remember most of what happened. And I, and, and I do believe this is a grace because I think God knows me and probably knows what I can and can't handle. So um, I do remember, though, the nurse that was in the room had a very um, harsh way about her and was just very um, direct and, and just told me to stay still and it's almost done. And um, I, don't, I don't remember what she looked like even. I just remember her voice. Um, once the procedure was done, they basically tell you to get up off the table. Um, I actually was told to get dressed before I left the room and they brought me out into this, um, waiting room, which was very similar to, well, well, it was the recovery room. Um, very similar to what it would look like in, in a doctor's office with chairs kind of set up with little stands, um, you know, little coffee table type stands. Everyone was kind of like, um, separated from each other. No one was sitting together. Um, one thing I distinctly remember, they had handed me this orange juice and I was sipping it and just looking down because I was at that point already, I had this like deep sense of just, um, shame. Um, I heard a lot of sniffling, some people like a little louder, almost in a sob. Um, nobody was talking. It was very quiet outside of that. Um, and then they called my name when, when my ride was there, which was my boyfriend. And, and I came out of the building and walked into the car and we really didn't say anything. Um, he brought me back to school. So here I was literally, I just had an abortion. I killed my baby and I'm going to school, um, where I proceeded to stay in the, in the lounge that we had. Um, I was a senior, so we had like a senior lounge and I just said I was sick and that I couldn't get home. So I slept in the lounge all day. I just laid there. Now, one thing I'll tell you is when I was leaving, they handed me a bag of birth control pills. So it was kind of like, okay, this is taken care of. Now going forward, you need to be more responsible, basically. So they handed me this little bag of pills. And, um, and so now, um, here I am thinking, um, okay, well, here I have birth control pills. I'll just do whatever I want at this point. What's the difference? You know, um, it's, and that's kind of the mentality. It's like, you just, everything just becomes like, well, oh, well, you know, um, it's just this way. I think that we try to, um, separate ourselves. You know, I separated any thoughts and feelings I had about it, like as if that was just a different person and okay, like we're just going to tuck that away and just pretend like that never happened. Nobody knew only like three or four people knew about it. Um, you know, abortion goes against our created nature and I believe deep within us somehow we know it's not right. You know, there's something in us as, as a woman, even that knows there's something wrong about this, but the evil one uses the weaknesses we have for myself. It was, you know, um, the emotional and physical abuse that I had had prior. Um, he uses that to, to, to drive us, um, towards believing there's no other option and that it's okay somehow. But then, um, he used, used that for me to get past that, you know? Um, and then what happened was it kind of 
separated me from from my reality. So it's it's it was like a disassociation, right? And so um so then it was more like okay, so now he now that I'm kind of open and wounded, it was almost like his way of coming in and slipping in these other things like oh, well, you know, um now like let's let's like let's just go and do whatever you want. You know, God already hates you. He's so disgusted by you. Um, look what you've done. So since, since you've already done that, you might as well just enjoy yourself and go out and just do whatever you want. And, you know, then this idea of, um, you know, being fascinated then by the occult, again, separating myself from what's, what's good and true and kind of diving into this, um, this other world, you know, this other fascination. Um, so, so yes, there is, abortion is a portal to the demonic if you leave it unconfessed because abortion itself is evil. But then all those other doors that get opened through that, because let's be real, like there's nothing normal or excusable about killing a baby. And so somewhere in us, even if we don't admit it up front, deep within us, there is a deep emptiness. You're dead. Like mother, mother Teresa said, a conscious that dies, basically you're, you're, you're something in you has died with that baby. And you turn to other ways to like self-medicate, to convince yourself that you're normal somehow, that this is acceptable, but you don't really necessarily know that that's tied to the abortion because you've convinced yourself that that was okay. So when you start behaving in all these other ways, it's just, it's just like this new person you've created and, and it's, it's become acceptable. So I think for me, um, what happened was I started again, I was, I, I kind of just said, you know, threw everything out the window and was like, okay, well, I'm on birth control and I'll just be sexually active and whatever. I mean, what, nothing's going to happen now, so I can just do what I want. And, you know, so it was kind of like that mentality, but there's like, you know, there's all these other, th- other sins that it opens the door to. So that or sexual deviancy, pornography and masturbation, um, the occult, you know, again, separating yourself from, from reality of, of then, um, for myself, I know, especially this deep wound of unforgiveness, um, unforgiveness of those who hurt me and using that to amplify my feelings. And then this unforgiveness of myself, I did not realize what that was till many years later. I just, it was so suppressed that I didn't realize it was an issue of forgiveness. And of course, I'm not thinking that God could ever forgive me for something like this. Um, you know, a spirit of control of no one else is going to help. I have to control my life. No one else is going to do it for me. Well, that spirit of control is really what kind of pushed me into um, bulimia because I felt like I had no self-control in other parts of my life, but I needed to somehow have control over something. And so I can control what comes in my mouth. I can control what comes out of me by how many laxatives I take, by how many times I make myself throw up. Um, You know, there's just this, um, you're just kind of spinning, you know, and just trying to grab whatever you can to like, again, self-medicate, detach, find other ways to ignore what's happened. Um, 
I will tell you, and I'll share this, and I <laughs> I hate sharing this, but I'm going to share this because I want to, I guess, show you the gravity of how far we can take it. Um, I was abusing laxatives so badly that I was working um, at a in a pretty professional place and taking like public transportation to go back and forth to work. It was so bad that I actually lost complete control of my bowels and went to the bathroom in my pants in front of a bunch of business people. Um, yeah, I mean, talk about hitting rock bottom. It was the most humiliating um just saddening thing that's ever really happened like publicly. But, um, it wasn't just that, you know, I was also rock bottom. I wanted to die. I, you know, thought many times about how I could just disappear from this world. I tried, you know, taking, um, medication. Um, just God was very good to me. He just made me vomit it all back up. And thankfully, um, And I say that, you know, in all sincerity, thankfully I did vomit and was able to, um, to not even have to go to the hospital. But another thing is when you, at least this happened for me. So first of all, I, lying became such a theme of my life because when I was young and I was abused and, and then, um, doing all these things that were not good, um, practicing some of these things like the seances and, and such, I became a very good liar. And that would come with like kind of carry through for, for many years. Um, abortion is really, um, you become a good liar. Who wants to go and announce to everybody that you've had an abortion? These women that come out and say, uh, you know, like shout their abortions. There is something that they're struggling interior with, I will tell you, there is nothing that makes a person want to brag about an abortion. So that is definitely, um, something, an oppression of the evil one that's even getting them to the point where they feel that it's okay to announce it. Um, so, so lying does become a very big part of your life. Um, through this, um, time, I also, like I said, became very fascinated with, um, more diving more into bigger things with the occult, um, having my tarot cards read. And I would do that several times over a period of time, but just, you know, with horoscopes and such. But I really think the gateway for, for, for me was the Ouija board. And I'll tell you that after using the Ouija board, um, first of all, it did move, something did happen. Um, it was myself and my two sisters, in this house that we were living in and we did it really late at night in the dark, you know, to make it more suspenseful and, um, and something did happen there. And this particular house, many things would happen after this. So the water faucets would turn on and off, um, in the shower, especially, uh, my, um, in my parents' room, the TV um, you would turn the TV on. A lot of times I would go in my parents' room to watch TV. Just It was one of the TVs in the house. And I would be laying there and all of a sudden the TV would turn channels or the shower in their bathroom would turn on. Um, we would hear footsteps coming up from the basement, but no one would be there. Um, one time there was no one in the house. My mom had gone out. She came home and a couch was completely moved facing a different direction. Um, then 
probably the scariest thing that happened for me was I went to bed one night and um, I heard rustling at the end of my bed. I had just gone shopping and I thought maybe one of my sisters was going through some of my things. But the next morning I woke up and there was a crack across my entire mirror. So, and it's really interesting because all these things were happening and I thought, looking back at that, I would have been like, get a priest here, bless the house. We kind of all just like resigned to the fact that, oh, we lived in a, in, in a very historical place. We were probably like on some battleground or something. So maybe it's just like there's ghosts or something, you know, and it was such a naive way to deal with it. Um, I never really questioned it. And I think that was kind of that veil, you know, over my eyes of not looking deeper into what this could possibly be. Um, so that happened and that was just, you know, as time went on, then I, then I met my, my husband and he, um, and I had told him about my abortion and, and he, um, you know, convinced me to, to go to confession and I did go to confession, but I did not confess all these other things. And these were all the other, um, you know, doors that were opened, you know, the abortion, abortion was yes, but all these other sins and these other things I was doing were really the gateways as well. And I did not do anything to close them. And, um, yeah, and I don't know, and it wasn't even really asked. So, um, so that, so that kind of just set the scene for, for just continuing to just have these other sins, um, that were just kind of sitting, sitting out there. And and the evil one at this point, I think he's like, okay, well, I've got my grasp on her. I don't really need to work so hard, you know? And it's interesting because then in this period of time, and I'll kind of fast forward, um, because a lot of things happen between that time, but, but we can save that for, for another time. I'll fast forward and say that there was a period of time after I had all my children where for some reason, I felt I got connected somehow to, um, to priests for life. I I don't even remember how it happened, but, um, I realized that they were, um, that they were holding a Rachel's Vineyard retreat. So, um, so I decided to go, um, it was out of town. Actually, I had to go, I had to travel pretty far to go there. Um, and I went and, and there was, um, definitely some, some, I think surface healing that happened. I named my child. I, I, um, there was a lot of prayer. There was confession, um, again, not confessing everything, but, but just kind of digging a little bit more into it. Um, and then I went on to, um, work with silent no more. I spoke at some pro-life events, um, I went to the March for Life. I was very involved. I was um, going with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. And I was doing all these um, things that on the exterior seemed like the right thing. But I don't think there was actually a true healing um, and um, contrition there. Um, and then all of a sudden, everything stopped. I literally just stopped doing all of it. Now I will say when I did when I was speaking at these events, I had told my older two children that um I had an abortion. The other two were too young at the time. 
and um, it was very difficult, but they took it as best as they could, I guess, at the time, but we didn't really talk about it after that. Um, I would only learn much later some of those details, which I'll share in a minute, but um, so, so keep in mind that older two knew, the younger two didn't know, um, but then everything stopped, and it's very interesting because everything stopped, and then I started homeschooling. And I think that the evil one used this as a way to get me to like shut down. Oh my goodness, you you can't tell these other holy mothers about your past. That's unforgivable. They'll they would they would shun you. Um, you know, you have to just you just have to try the best you can to just fit in, you know. It was these lies that started like being fed and I was believing them, like, oh, I can't I can't tell anybody this. This is terrible. Like, I mean, I finally found a group that I feel like, you know, I fit in with. I'm trying to be a good, holy mother and spouse and I'm homeschooling and I can't ruin that for all of us. So I just stopped. And it's it's really sad because I think had I not stopped that maybe healing would have come much sooner um, because I was with good holy women who would have helped me and supported me. So, um, yeah, so that was difficult. And so I went through that and, um, there's, um, this Bible quote that I really love. Um, it's from Isaiah and it says, can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget. Yeah. I will not forget you. And I think that's such a, um, it's that really tugs at my heartstrings because even though I've done this, God doesn't forget our children. Like, you know, he, whether it's an abortion, a miscarriage, however we might have that loss, that every single child created is, is important to God. And the, the evil one will make you believe that somehow the children from abortion are put in this other category, like, you know, that they're, they're secondary, that God doesn't love them as much. Um, and all these lies that, that, that just come through there. And, um, so, so there was so much conflict, so much self-loathing, so much unforgiveness, um, just, just piling up and piling up and piling up and kind of just to fast forward, just to talk a little bit about how this related to my, um, my exorcisms is that, and this is, and this is kind of what I want to leave you with as far as how, um, how evil really is, um, attached to abortion. And, um, during one of my sessions, it was revealed to me, um, that how the evil one uses abortion as a blood sacrifice. So during this session, um, I, and this, and to kind of like explain my, my eyes weren't open. I saw this through, um, I don't know how to explain it. Like through, through my, through my heart, through my soul, I saw, I saw this image that happened. Um, and it was, um, a sacrifice on the altar. And I realized in that, so that there was a sacrifice of this baby and it was, it was horrible. I mean, horrible. I was at this time, I remember I was screaming because I couldn't, Interiorly, I was seeing this, but I could not express it because I was being suppressed by the evil one. Um, he, he was controlling my physical body. 
Um, but I, I realized that it was the evil one um, as if he was mocking the sacrificial lamb, that he was mocking Christ at the table, at the altar. It helped me understand um, really after kind of talking through this with, with the priest afterwards and, and, and going into some more details, um, it helped me understand that, that Satan takes great pleasure in destroying the sanctity of life. You know, think about it this way. He hates the Blessed Mother, a human, right? A human being who is so below him, who gave birth to Jesus, the God, God-made man, right? So he mocks this. And he's out to destroy all life. And he preys on that fear, sexuality, selfishness um, to weaken our minds, to weaken the minds of a pregnant woman who might be, you know, in this position where she doesn't know what to do. A young teen, an older successful woman, a, a woman who maybe has an illness, whatever. He, he finds Whatever that weakness is, and he preys on that because he hates us so much. He hates humanity so much, but life, the sanctity of life is what he wants to destroy. You know, the family is what he wants to destroy. And um, so we have to look at abortion as not just this evil act that we, um, that we're doing as humans, but how that's so connected to evil. And because the evil one hates us so much and he and he just wants to destroy everything godly and i, I i'll just touch on this one other thing um and this was something a post that someone shared and and it just reminded me of of how many people suffer um because of abortion so so of course that baby's life is taken the mother suffers because she's taken the life of her child there's the loss of, of fatherhood because you've taken away the ability for that man to be a father. There's a loss of siblings. And I didn't realize this until many years later and when I was going through my sessions that my older son who knew, um, and he had come to me and said he's been praying. This always makes it hard. I, I have a hard time talking about this. <sighs> that he has been praying for his sibling since he knew. Now, granted, it's his half-sibling, but he has been praying to that child. And I wasn't even doing that. I wasn't even praying to that child. And, um, but it just put in perspective the loss that siblings feel. And um, when I told my younger two, when I was going through sessions and I had to share with them some things, and, and my daughter in particular was devastated devastated because I had lied, devastated because I had, I had preached how to, that we had to be pro-life, that abortion is evil. Yet here was her own mother coming to her and saying, I've done this. So there was a lot of healing that had to take place. And that's even the unforgiveness there. There was a lot of healing that had to happen with myself and, and, and my, my children who are here, my, my born children here on this earth, and how I had to um, forgive myself for how I've wounded them. And all this, the Blessed Mother made right in the end. And, and, and she, she loves us so much. And, she, and, and where the lie of the evil one that she despised me, that she was, that she, I was a terrible mother, I was a terrible woman, 
that I could never be like her. I could never, um, have purity. Um, I could never, um, um, be looked at in that way by, by God, um, was lies. And when, um, she came to my session and, and extended her arms to me to say, I, I love this child for you and I love you. And that's like, it's like amazing, (laughs) you know, painful, but amazing. Like this is how much, this is how much God loves us. This is how much the blessed mother loves us that in spite of these terrible things, this horrible sinfulness, this terrible person that I was, that I felt like, um, there was no way to recover. Even then God wants to make us whole, you know, I'll never be completely full and complete because there is that loss that's there. But, but I know that this baby, little Michael, my son is in heaven, that the blessed mother is holding him, that God loves him, that Jesus died for all of us, for him, for me, for all of us, that we may all be together one day. And this is, this is what we, um, this is what we need to understand and into anyone, whether it is abortion or some, some terrible sin, some terrible secret abuse or, or whatever it may be. I want you to hear me that God wants you back. Okay. He's never left your side. We've left God through sin and he just wants you to be whole. He wants to extend his mercy to you. He loves you. And don't let the evil one take that away from you for another day. Go to him. Go to confession. Go to the Blessed Mother. Get the counseling and help that you need. Forgive yourself. If you have this oppression and you can't overcome it on your own, Go to a good holy priest who can help you. But do not live in this darkness anymore. Do not let anyone convince you that abortion is ever okay. And then do not let them convince you that you cannot receive mercy after an abortion. So with that, I know this is a heavy, heavy conversation. But I do feel like right now as things, even the March for Life and and all of the things that come with it. So that discussion, those topics, and those women who are out there standing and talking about lost motherhood and lost fatherhood for the men, we're not going to have that experience this year. So I want you at least in some way to be able to hear this and know that we have to continue fighting. We have to continue um, just working for um, a pro-life nation in all ways in all ways, from conception to natural death, and that we need to make abortion unthinkable. So with that, let's just give glory to our Father in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you all.